Gotham City, like any other large metropolis, abounds in girls of all shapes and sizes. Debutantes, nurses, stenographers, and librarians. Perhaps you'd include Batgirl, too. Batgirl? Batgirl. 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 Bats! I'm surrounded by bats! Using feminine wiles to get what you want? Training on your books? Read a book, sister. That passive-aggressive number went out long ago. Chicks like you give women a bad name. Same job, same employer means equal pay for men and women. What in the world is this? Revolving walls, hidden rooms, disguises. What is Barbara Gordon's secret? I'm Commissioner Gordon's daughter. Barbara! Hey, Babs! Crime fighting is a serious matter to me too, Batman, but we might as well get a few laughs up. Welcome all to Batgirl to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon Podcast, Episode 1. This podcast is sponsored by AfroAway. AfroAway, solving hair's big mysteries. Do you find yourself constantly inconvenienced by your afro? Are you often told to take off your hat in a movie theater because the people cannot see behind you? Do you live in a place with 97% humidity and frequently walk outside only to absorb all the moisture in the air by means of your afro? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then Afro Away is the solution. Afro Away is clinically proven to decrease the size of your afro, product not yet tested on poodles or Pomeranians. Do you want to be a sponsor for my show? Email me at batgirltooracle at gmail.com. I'm so excited right now, and this is a very momentous occasion for me and the podcast. And, as it is the first episode, I must start off with some podcasting business. There are a few thank yous that I need to give out to people. There's so many people that were instrumental in the creation and the evolution of this podcast, and it really is imperative that I give thanks to them. Gerard Delator II... Uh, he drew this wonderful splash, splash page, excuse me, for me of Babs and all her different incarnations. I cannot thank him enough or quit staring at it. Kevin Cushing, uh, he helped me get a good name for the podcast that was simple yet potent. Bertoni, um, also known as Joshua Lamp. Pin Bertone, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly, um, he was very helpful in getting me a list of Babs' uh, appearances and answering some initial technical issues. George Berryman, oh bear, he was extremely helpful when I was first setting up my blog and attempting to change some of the code as well as all the trouble that I was having with embedding things. Michael Bailey, practically my podcasting mentor, um, he answered numerous questions and gave me a lot of advice concerning podcasting. And of course, Brad Douglas, without him giving me the chance to be on his own Spider-Man Crawl Space podcast, I would not have even considered doing this. And of course, thank you to all those who have really been enthusiastic about this project and have faith in me, you know, where I'm quite scared to be uh, starting this. Hopefully I didn't miss anyone, but thank you to all those mentioned. And of course, who am I for those who don't know me? I'm a college student about to graduate and enter into the real world. 
I have many hobbies and interests, uh, the only one pertinent to this podcast being the fact that I read comics. Shocking! I'm a girl and I like comics. I know, uh, just get it out of your system. I am an admin known as Spider-Girl on the Spider-Man Crawl Space. Um, I was asked to join the CS podcast, the Spider-Man Crawl Space podcast, in August of 2008. I started reading comics early on, mainly through my brother and mainly Marvel, but I stopped reading them for a long time for whatever reason that we all stopped doing our hobbies. Infinite Crisis really got me back into the comic scene in a big way, not only for the event, but the fact that a lot of the stories were about to reset, giving me an opportunity to jump aboard. I also started reading Civil War and got back into Marvel and my favorite superhero, Spider-Man. So probably the question that you all are asking, because I am such a big fan of Spider-Man, is why Babs? Now, I scratched my head for a few days trying to figure out when the first time was that I really got into the character. I've been accused of falling in love with the Batman the Animated Series Batgirl, which is something that sometimes has a negative connotation. I suppose people associate you liking the character of a TV series with the fact that you are really unfamiliar with the character and don't know the true embodiment of the character in comic form. I actually think that shows like Batman the Animated Series get people into comics. I fell in love with Shire Hall's Hawkgirl right away from the Justice League Animated Series and was interested in getting to the Hawkgirl comic right when it was ending. Kendra, of course, is not really my favorite, but I did grow to respect the character while I was reading Justice League of America. People like the TV show counterparts of a comic character because it extrapolates the best elements and traits of that character. Essentially, you who watch Batman the Animated Series or the Batman will have Babs for the same reason that I, who read the comics, do. So yeah, I have watched the show and loved it, but I was never really taken with Batgirl at that point. Now there are two different possibilities of how I got into the character, and I will give you the one that I believe is most likely. In the summer of 2006, I had surgery on my left foot. As one can imagine, I was laid up practically the entire summer, not really able to walk without crutches until mid to late July. I do recall watching a lot of TV and reading fan fiction. In fact, I read so much fan fiction that at one point I think my brain was actually a gelatin substance. Fan fiction, I think, gets a bad rap, but there are actually a lot of great writers out there. Uh, at that point in my life, I was a big Hawkgirl and Green Lantern fan from the Justice League animated series, so I was reading a lot of action romance stories that were involving those two and the rest of the JLA. I cannot really uh, recall how it happened, but I stumbled across some Barbara Gordon, Richard Grayson stories as well. Two of the sites that I was frequenting at that time were um, the Family Archives slash Birds of a Feather, uh, which is mainly fanfic, and the Batsquad.net, which is now the DCU.net, and that was really my main source for research on the character and her history. I was really taken with this incarnation of the character. She was treated by a fan, so she reflected all the positive attitudes that the writer saw in her. Oracle stories dealt with her strength and sometimes her self-hating nature. I already knew a great deal um, about Babs, but I really had a desire to find out more. 
this was during the time that One Year Later was happening in the DC titles, so in many ways it was a good time to start. I had a sort of frenzy, trying to get as many issues as I could, especially, but not limited to anything involving the relationship of Dick and Babs. Birds of Prey number 8 is really the only comic I have ever spent close to $30 on, and it might have been over 30 with shipping, actually. So I started building a small library that was scattered, giving me bits and pieces of the character's history. This continued for several years, and of course my love for the character increased every year. So why Babs? Babs, which is Barbara Gordon for you that are not in the know, uh, to me is a diamond in the rough. In a world where there are many lackluster female characters, female comic book characters, Babs feels re real to me. She's strong and deserving of respect, but not without her feelings. Right now, I can only add Jessica Drew and Sharon Carter to that list um, of female characters who are believable. I cannot say that Babs is the best Batgirl without people disagreeing with me, but she is my favorite Batgirl, and so I think I have a right to do this podcast. And what are my expectations for this podcast? I want this to be a podcast where I learn about the character right along with you listeners. I want people who are fans of Cassandra or Stephanie to also be fans of Babs. Will it be a raw podcast? Probably at the beginning. I'm warning, but I have a dedication to make it great and enjoyable for you and me. You listeners are really important to this work. Ask me questions, give me advice, whatever. We all need something to build upon. Right now it's just me, um, but I do have grand plans for guest stars. I already know who I want to have on and what we would discuss, so please be patient. For now, I'll be starting at the beginning of Babs history, tackling a few issues in episode. I will also juxtapose the past with the present, discussing the recent issues of Batgirl and how things have changed. I hope to get an episode out a month, but more could come out in the future. It just depends on time constraints, obviously. So before I get into the reviews, I do have some news. It's sort of old, but, you know, I thought it'd be interesting to do some news. Uh, in November, DC released their new figures and statues for their DC Direct line, and Stephanie Brown, a.k.a. the new Batgirl, hopefully that's not a spoiler for any of you, is on, or is one of the action figures that has been listed. Uh, she's clad in her new outfit, which made its debut at the end of issue number three. It is five and three quarter inches tall and will be on sale July 14th, 2010. The other news I have is actually old, but I feel like not many people know about it. Since The Dark Knight was such a great movie, the absence of a Batman movie or Batman movie news causes people to make conjectures on what the next one will be like. Besides such rumors as Johnny Depp as the Riddler and Cher as Catwoman, I kid you not, one rumor was especially scary for a Babs fan such as myself. Miley Cyrus, aka Hannah Montana, as Batgirl. I would be as unhappy as when I thought Tobey Maguire was no longer going to be Spider-Man due to his back injury caused from his role in Seabiscuit. I actually do not think Cyrus even has the linguistic skill to get rid of her accent and not and nor do I have that much faith in her acting abilities. Luckily for all of us, that is just a rumor. Whoever created it should be ashamed of themselves. I'm doing the shame finger right now. Okay, so let's do it right now. Reviews. First comic I'm going to review is Detective Comics, issue 359. Uh, its subtitle is The Million Dollar Debut of Batgirl. 
until the 1970s, it was not a common practice to credit all comic book stories. So the names that I have are the names that Showcase was able to find. Uh, so for this issue, um, which came out in January 1967, the cover penciler was Carmine Infantino. Uh, the cover pen cover inker was Murphy Anderson. Uh, the writer was Gardner Fox. Penciler again was Carmine Infantino, and the inker was Sid Green. So let me start off with some quotes that practically sum up the tone of the issue. Number one. Who is this new Batgirl who seems to have taken over my crime-fighting territory? Now, just to note, Batgirl is not the first Batgirl, but the second. Betty Kane was the first known as Bat-Girl, appearing in 1961 in Batman number 139. Uh, the second one, Holy Interference! She's ruining all our plans! Besides, she makes terrible puns. Oh, dick. Why do you have to be such a, um, jerk? Especially when you are the king of terrible puns. And finally, we can't worry ourselves about some girl. Um, really? Did you just say that? <laughs> now, if it's any indication from those quotes, Babs is going to have a rough time of it and will struggle to be accepted into the Bat family. So here's a synopsis for the issue. Barbara Gordon, uh, daughter of Gotham City Police Commissioner James Gordon, prepares to attend a policeman's charity masquerade ball, designing a costume in the style of Batman and naming herself Batgirl. Driving to the country club, she finds a villain named Killer Moth, yes, and his Mothman, attacking Bruce Wayne. Batgirl dives into action, giving Wayne a chance to escape, who then turns into Batman. Killer Moth uses a silk gun to web Batgirl to the side of Bruce's car and then escapes with his minions, Pupa and Larva. Best minion names ever. The following day, Bruce receives a letter in the mail from Killer Moth demanding $100,000 or else Bruce will be killed. A scheme is hatched by Dick and Bruce. Babs drives to Wayne Manor in order to give Bruce a copy of a rare book he ordered, only to stumble on a dead LMD, life model decoy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Not really, it's more of a dummy of Bruce. The Mothman escape, and Batman and Robin appear and tell her that the body of Bruce Wayne is actually just a dummy, a trap for Killer Moth in the hopes of tracking him back to his lair. But Batgirl spoiled their plans. Darn you, Batgirl. Fortunately... Batgirl had planted a tracer on the Mothmobile, and they can easily trail their foes back to Moth Mansion. Batman and Robin arrive at the mansion first and get themselves in a little bit of a situation from which Batgirl saves them. Batgirl manages to find the secret closet panel where Killer Moth is hiding. Batman and Robin each knock him out, and after taking the villain to prison, they say goodbye to Batgirl, wondering when or if they will ever meet her again. Now, it is clear from the very beginning that this issue is written by a man. The first scene we see is Babs sewing with some terrible line that Barbara Gordon is in stitches. Uh, now, this reminds me of the ideal woman in ancient Roman times. An ideal chaste woman would be known by her behavior. Often, funeral inscriptions would say something along the lines of, she didn't know the crowd and she spun wool as a way to point out a chaste woman. Obviously here, Babs is being set up as this ideal example of a woman. Even though there are some remarkable statements made throughout the issue that seem somewhat misogynist, 
It does seem that the writer really does want readers to respect her, since he constantly seems to make her spell out her resume, PhD at Gotham State, summa cum laude, which means with the highest praise, a brown belt, and this continues. Even with this in mind, it is clear Babs isn't going to fit into the boys' club. Bruce tries to change as quickly as possible in the first scene, I guess we see him, um, because he doesn't have faith in Batgirl's abilities. Batman and Robin blame everything on her in something reminiscent to Scooby-Doo's and I would have gotten away with it too. The whole we can't be bothered worrying about a girl comment and the fact that when Batgirl rescues Batman and Robin from the anti-gravity simulator, even that cannot be to her credit as Batman already knew a way to get out and was actually starting to uh, use some sort of a laser to get out. But seriously? You're, you're giving this girl no credit at all? <laughs> I had to laugh at some of the things going on in this issue, which were probably coming from either the Times or the fact that then, like now, men didn't know how to write a believable female character. First off, the quote, I'm stronger and harder than I've ever been, thanks to my special protein diet and intensive exercise, sounds like it's coming from a commercial. I think I would have said I've more toned, or I've become more toned, but, you know, that's just me. Secondly, I know that Barbara is a librarian, but did you really have to make her extremely unattractive in her civilian identity? I mean, I like Princess Leia and all, but the cinnamon buns are not working for Babs. I do, however, like her rectangular glasses, and appreciate that uh, the Birds of Prey series uh, kept them. Finally, um... Uh, Batgirl, why do you have a purse when you have a utility belt? Above? <laughs> um, and, well, it is good to see that Kamish Gordon uh, appreciates Batgirl, but his character seems so unlike the one that we know today, um, who really dotes on his daughter and loves her very much, um, because he wishes that his daughter had some of the gumption that Batgirl had. Hey, Pops, your daughter has a PhD. I'd get over it. Of course, I cannot forget to mention Killer Moth. <sighs> Killer Moth, the most underrated B-lister ever. I have to admit I have a certain fondness of KM, mainly because no one ever takes him seriously. Of course, who could with henchmen known as Larva and Pupa? Bum bum bum. To wrap up, I think overall this was a good introduction for Babs as the new Batgirl. Despite a lot of sexist comments, you can tell that the writers are doing the best they can to get the fans to like this new character. They are also trying to portray her as a strong female character, even though her interactions with the male cast paint her as incompetent. I like the fact that I can read the issue and pull out pieces which show up in Yvonne Craig's interpretation of Batgirl, most prominently the changing from her civilian getup to Batgirl's costume, the skirt to the cape classic. At this point in 1969, it was up in the air as to whether the character would return, though I'm sure they had some plans already formed. Um, the editors or the writing staff actually ask readers to decide whether or not she should return. Thankfully, she does for many years to come. I think that I would give this issue 6 out of 10 bats. The second issue that I would like to review for this podcast is the new Batgirl number 1 with its subtitle, Point of New Origin, Batgirl Rising Part 1. Goodness, 
It seems so long ago that the Spider-Man crawl space message boards were all in a tizzy over who the identity of the thrice new Batgirl could be. It was sort of me and my fellow Babsville for Kevin on one side of the line, while 50 other people were on the other side. We pulled out our switchblades, greased our hair, and began chanting, The Jets, the Sharks, the Jets, the Sharks, back and forth, back and forth, finally exploding into a dance number from West Side Story. Sadly... Kevin and I lost that battle, and I now have many, many scars to prove it. <laughs> Issue 1 starts off with some extreme street racing taking place in some bad parts of Gotham. Wow, Gotham has bad parts? Color me shocked. <laughs> Batgirl steps in, still wearing the costume of Cassandra Kane. Batman and Robin know it is someone different, and it's not Cass. Thus, we are introduced to Stephanie Brown, formerly the superhero's spoiler. She promised her mother and Tim Drake that she would get out of the superheroing business and start college life. But everybody knows that when you say, maybe I'll stop tomorrow, tomorrow never really comes. And at the end, Barbara Gordon is having some anger issues, and she makes waffles. Waffles. <laughs> now, I'm not a fan, so to speak, of Stephanie Brown, as in before this issue. Uh, and I probably could have only told you that she was spoiler at one point. With that said, she was kind of given a crappy entrance. Her first case is street racing. Street racing? Seriously? Well, I guess we all have our own humble beginnings. But of course, it's not like she's a novice at this thing. We then have Dick Grayson as Batman saying that she's not as good as the other Batgirl. Man, Dick, you are such a jerk. Now, let me clear something up. I had actually been going around saying, he's talking about Babs, uh-huh, uh-huh. But actually, my foes were correct in saying that he was talking about Cass. I was just ignoring the context clues coming out of Damien's mouth. Frankly, I try to ignore everything that comes out of Damien's mouth. Anyway, another character that gets screwed over is Cassandra. The way she gives up the costume is poorly done. She literally strips out of her costume on the roof of a building after a fight, and it is raining. And then she goes off saying that the only reason why she was doing it was for Bruce. And now that he's gone, she's leaving too. That just seems like a complete cop-out to me, and I don't know. I don't like it, but of course I can't change it, so I apologize to the cast fans out there. Now, I do like the intertwining of Stephanie's life as Batgirl with her life as Stephanie. There is an attempt to make her a relatable character with regular issues, and I hope that they follow through with this. I also like that they are bringing on a new supporting cast member in Nick Gage. It is a way to tie her to Bruce Wayne's Batman, giving her a civvy partner like Batman had Gordon. And then we have Babs. Babs is trying to work out some anger issues, and I'm not really sure where those are coming from. Probably because I didn't read the Oracle Mini. But I'm sure for this podcast that I will be forced to do so. Um, Leslie Tompkins offers her some advice, but the only thing that really helps her is beating some thugs on a subway train. Classic panels. I love them. Uh, at the end, we see an unhappy Babs with waffles for Stephanie and the phrase, we need to talk. You know, whenever that phrase come up, comes up, it's never good. Generally, I thought it was a good issue, uh, but it left something to be desired. The introductions and goodbyes of the main characters were lackluster, but I have high hopes for Nick. And it's actually really unclear at this point, though we kind of see it since I know it's happened in uh, future issues, but at this point it's unclear what role Babs will play in the series. Oh, and um, art staff? 
could you decide whether you want the mask on or off? Because it vacillates throughout the entire issue. That'd be great. Thanks. I think I'd give this issue a 6 out of 10 bats as well. Um, I'm hoping that it improves, but just like the other one, the introduction, I don't know. Um, it's not the strongest that I think I would like, but I can tell you from reading future issues that I become a fan of Stephanie Brown, and it does get better, so stay tuned. So, those are the reviews for this episode, but before I leave you, I do have a recommendation to make. Now, as many people who know me from the Spider-Man Crawl Space podcast know, I do enjoy to read things other than comics. What I usually do at the end of those episodes is recommend a book that I have read. Um, so I'd like to actually do the same thing here, um, because I do encourage people to read, keep up the literacy rate of this country. <laughs> um, this episode, I am recommending The Five People You Meet in Heaven by Mitch Album. Uh, he, you might know him from writing Tuesdays with Maury. Uh, this book recounts the life and death of a simple yet dignified old man, Eddie. Uh, he dies in a freak accident, and Eddie finds himself in heaven where he encounters five people who have significantly affected his life, whether he realized it at the time or not. It's a short but really emotionally impacting novel, and I really do recommend reading it. So, that's it for my first episode. <laughs> I really hope you enjoyed it. Please send me questions or comments. I will be more than happy to create an Ask Stella section of the show if I get enough interest. Did I talk too much? Too little? Was there too much synopsis on the issues? Tell me. I really do appreciate constructive criticism, and I want this podcast to be enjoyed, not only by me. Uh, send your comments and questions, like I said before, to batgirl to oracle at gmail.com. Remember that I also have a blog, batgirl2oracle.blogspot.com. From there, I'm a, I am linked to my reading list and music heard on the podcast, as well as the podcast itself. Stay tuned to the blog, as I will update it as frequently as possible. I hope that you enjoyed this first episode. And as I leave you, I would just like to wish you all a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.